morning. Today's scripture is from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For, those, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no, would you have no fear of the, of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Thank you, Terry. How are we doing this morning, church? You doing peachy, Sean? That's, that's a new one. Um, we are at the end of a series that we started all the way back in November, a uh, two-part look at how our faith, how our relationship with God is not just about us. Your relationship with God is not just about you. In the month of November, we talked about how your relationship with God actually has a lot to give, a lot to do with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so there was an emphasis to put we over me. But in the past few weeks, we haven't just been looking across the aisle at our, at our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've also been looking outward at, at the rest of the world, at, at our enemies. And our need as Christians to put not just each other over ourselves, but even to put our enemies first. Our, our call as, as Christians to love our enemies. Um, and to do this, we've been looking at Romans chapter 12 about these calls and these instructions about what's going to be required of us if we are a Christian to give to other people. Last week we talked about how sinners are not at war with us, but they're at war with sin. And that is the war that you and I are fighting as well. And the love that we are going to have for our enemies, the selflessness that we're going to show to lower, us, to lower ourselves even to our worst enemies is exactly what Jesus is calling to do. Um, as we can see, as we continue to consider what it looks like to love our enemies, what we're going to be asked to, uh, asked to give, asked to do for even the people who hate us, I hope we continue to wonder, how are your actions, how are my actions, how is the way that I treat other people changed because of what I know about Jesus? <clears throat> this morning, we're going to close the book on Romans chapter 12, and even get into chapter 13 just a little bit if you want to go ahead and turn with me there. But before we read in Romans, I want to consider what the world says about what is appropriate for how we should treat 
others. Over the past couple weeks, we've been talking a lot about individualism. This is the cultural view that says, I should do what's best for me, the individual. I am what's most important. For the most part, this is how we can see our culture operating, looking out for yourself, taking care of yourself, following your heart. And when me, when I am the center of my world, when I become what's most important, then when someone else does me wrong, when someone else is treating me poorly, when someone is not giving me what I deserve, well then the world would say I have to stand up for myself. The world encourages us to stand up for yourself, should we? On a practical level, there is real value in being able to stand up for yourself, being confident and owing your self-worth. But when standing up for yourself is used as an, ex- as an excuse to treat other people poorly, well, then maybe we're taking it a little bit too far. And maybe we've made ourselves a little bit too important. What the world would say, if, you're, if your boss or someone in, in authority over you is not giving you the respect that you deserve, Well, you should give them a piece of your mind. You should stand up for yourself. If you aren't being treated fairly, maybe maybe you were served incorrectly at a drive-thru, or maybe you feel like you're somewhere where somebody else is getting special treatment. Well, you should stand up for yourself. And especially around this time of year, if your family doesn't agree with you, maybe on your uh, 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 political values, and they're saying things at the table that you just don't agree with, Well, you should stand up for yourself. That's what the world would say. And even further, what the world would say is you should stand up for yourself and have nothing to do with those people. And we're seeing that a lot. There are a lot of people who are excusing themselves from their friends and their family because they've been disrespected. Because in the name of the individual, I'm what's most important, and I have to stand up for myself. Like I said, there is a time and a manner in which we ought to stand up for ourselves. Jesus does not teach total pacifism. Even the Apostle Paul in the last section of Acts stands up for himself in the court of law. He gives a defense as he's unjustly put on trial, very similar to what Jesus went through. But Christians standing up for themselves does not mean winning an argument. It does not mean proving someone wrong. Standing up for yourself as a Christian means you're demonstrating innocence and you're pointing other people to Jesus. And I hope you continue to see that this morning. That when we are dealing with our enemies, when we we are dealing, when we're dealing with them, we have to speak the truth in love. The world's view of you can't let other people treat you poorly, that's not the Christian view at all. Even when you're treated poorly, especially when you're treated poorly, and even if you know that you'll be treated poorly again in the future, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus teaches us, and that's what he showed us in his life and his death. Christians are not alone in this world, and due to the nature of our society and the way that our our country is going, you're going to be presented with new opportunities to love your enemies. And when that happens, you need to rightly know how to stand up for yourself and in that moment, confidently and courageously give those people love. We touched on these verses 
a little bit last week. Here they are again in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you hear the big difference between what Romans instructs of us and what the world says? The world says, stand up for yourself. The Bible says, do not avenge yourself. There's a real conflict between the world's mindset and godly living. And we need to be able to acknowledge that so that we can see the things that the world is doing. We can see the way that our world is behaving, the things that our world says is okay. And as Christians say, we're not going to participate in that. That won't be said of us. Instead of standing up for yourself, this reading says, trust that God will take a stand for you if you stand for him. Engines is, is the Lord's. I want that doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you're going to take your lumps and sit quietly. No, absolutely not, because while you wait for God to exact his great and powerful vengeance, what does Romans say that you're going to do? If someone does you wrong, you're going to feed them. And if someone takes out their problems on you, you're going to give them something to drink. There are a number of reasons why this is important, but this is something that we talked about last week. Every single person is made in the image of God. Every single person holds the capacity to house the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And even if they have not realized it yet, we are going to treat them like they are made in God's image. And so when your enemy is doing you wrong, you're not going to seek vengeance. You're going you're gonna to feed them, and you're going to love them. And when your enemy is is taking things out on you, you are going to give them what they really need. The opposite of what Romans teaches is standing up for yourself. We will not overcome evil by standing up for ourselves because when we did stand up for ourselves, when it was up to us to try to know God, we fell so far short of what he created us for. The only way that we'll overcome our enemies is we'll overcome them when we show them who Jesus is. This is how Jesus treated his enemies. This is how Jesus overcame evil. But there's something else about loving our enemies that we need to recognize. Especially in the life of Jesus, loving his enemies was not very effective. Have you ever thought about that? In fact, Jesus' love for his enemies had the opposite effect. Jesus loved his enemies so hard, he loved them so much that they killed him. It doesn't sound like a very effective way to treat other people. It didn't work out for Jesus. I'm not saying that we should try to earn the same type of response, but just like Jesus— we need to commit to love, regardless of how effective it seems. We'll come back to this later. Before we move on from these two 
verses in Romans 12, I want to spend a moment on the outcome that Paul says is going to happen when you love your enemies. He says, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon their heads. When you love someone who is your enemy, this is, this is what Paul says is going to happen to them. I'm going to be honest, this, this verse is a little challenging for me because it sounds really passive-aggressive, right? Like, if you want someone to know the error of their ways, well, I'm just going to give them a little bit extra dose of love, and maybe that'll help them learn their lesson. I'll heap those burning coals on their head. At least that's how it sounds to me. But this type of servant-submissive response that Paul's instructing us in Romans 12 and 13 towards our enemies is nothing like that. We should not hope that our kindness earns up our enemies. In love, we should hope that our kindness lights a fire within them that they, sh- that they would want to know where our love comes from. And if they would not receive it, if they would not receive the love that we're giving them, if they would continue to oppose you and your enemies would continue to be your enemies, well, we should continue to love and serve them and leave the vengeance up to God. Or we should be praying and we should hope that they ever get what's coming to them. That's not why we love our enemies. We love our enemies because we do not want them to reap what they've sown. Like we discussed last week, when it comes to the consequences of sin on our lives, we don't have to bear those if we know Jesus. Why would we wish that on our worst enemies? Think about it this way. When you take matters into your own hands, when you stand up for yourself against your enemies, especially when you're dealing with non-Christians, what you actually might be doing is you might be adding to to the expanse between them and God when you stand up for yourself. We should hope that our enemies do not get what they deserve. We should give other people the same measure of mercy and grace that was extended to us by Jesus and pray that they accept it and love them when they don't. Sometimes, though, like was in our scripture reading earlier this morning in Romans chapter 13, sometimes the injustice that we experience, the enemies that we face in our lives, aren't just small animosity from person to person. Sometimes injustice and evil can come from above. Here's what Paul says in, uh, again in Romans 13, starting in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. Paul, 13 chapters into his letter to the Romans, gets right to the point. One of the big requirements, one of the reasons that he's writing to these Christians is that Christians are going to live in political environments. That was certainly true for Christians in the first century. These ideas are repeated and echoed throughout the New Testament. In all all aspects of life, loving your enemies is true even when it comes to governing powers, even when the enemy is a large institution or a person in power, still we are called to love in submission. 
However, like I mentioned earlier, we need to embrace something about loving our enemies, especially when they are our uh, political enemies. At no point does the Bible instruct that this type of behavior towards your enemies is going to be effective. If you love your enemies, they'll turn your lives around. That's certainly a possibility, and that's certainly what we should hope and pray for. We are not called to love our enemies because it's effective. We're called to love our enemies because we are going to be obedient to our God and our Creator. And we need to trust that our God will be effective. We need to trust that our God is going to work in those people's lives. We need to trust that our God is still in control. And if we find ourselves at some point in your life, if you feel like you're living in an unjust and ungodly society, like the Greeks and the Romans, the situation that Paul was writing to in Romans, if you ever happen to find yourself in a world like that, then you are going to submit to those people in love. That's what Paul says. It might not seem effective, but that's okay. Even when the enemy is the government, love and submission are required. I'm sure walking around the walls of Jericho for six days didn't seem very effective either. But we're going to be obedient to what our, our God has called us to do, to love our enemies. And when you read another headline in the news or you see something else on social media and you begin to think, I'm fed up, I can't stand for this type of ungodliness anymore, well, I want to encourage you, just like Paul does in Romans, to in that moment, do not stand up for yourself. That doesn't mean you do nothing. No, Paul told you exactly what you're going to do when you're faced with your enemies. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. Paul is writing to people with the most worldly of worldly leaders, and it like, seems like that's becoming true in, in our, our world today. But how can we practice submission and love and still care about godly things like justice and righteousness? These are really hard questions. When we look around at the evil that's going on in our world, and we say, how can I sit idly by and, and let those things happen? These are really challenging questions, and we certainly can't answer them. Hopefully, we'll try to as we get into 2023, but here's, here's a short version. Christians cannot define who we are by who our enemy is. Christians cannot define who we are by who our enemy is. We cannot be a people who say, here's what the world is doing, and so we are going to rally against that. No, Christians need to first and foremost define ourselves as God's people and know what it means to be his image and know what it means to bear his spirit. And if we are God's people, then his ideals are going to be a part of our households. His ideals are going to be commonplace in our communities. And if we are God's people, just like Jesus, we're going to love our enemies. We're not going to look like the world we're not going to treat others like the world does. 
And I wish, I wish that I could guarantee that if we would love the world like this, if you would love the people in your life like this, if you would love your enemies like this, I wish I could say that it will turn them around and this world would be transformed. I can't guarantee that, but I can guarantee that our God is in control. And the more hostile our, our world gets, the more intentional Christians need to be in love. Loving people who doesn't deserve it, that's called caring about godly justice. Showing God's values to people who don't care, that's godly righteousness. And praise be to God that while we were still enemies, he loved us. And so when we live in a hostile environment, when we live in a place where it seems like our enemies are everywhere, the love that we show for them, the love that we're called to give them as our identity, as God's people, is going to be effective, not because we stood up for ourselves, not because we said the right thing, but because our God is in control. If we're looking around us, maybe we see others who are hostile to, uh, even to Christians, or maybe it's aid corporations, or maybe it's government leaders. If we look at those enemies and we think, I, I know the Bible says one thing, but I think it's time that I take matters into my own hands. I would invite us all to resist the urge to stand up for yourself and let the judge handle the rest. Jesus demonstrates a model to us that we can only hope to come close to, that even to death, Jesus would love those who would wish ill on him. And like I've said a couple times, that doesn't mean that we're going to sit down and accept what's going on in this world. When we choose to stand up, we're not standing up for ourselves. We'll be standing up for people who are hurting because we care about justice. And we'll be standing up for people who need to know Jesus because we care about righteousness. And when we stand up to fight our enemies, we're going to give them a plate and we're going to give them a cup and show them love. If you are not a Christian, if you do not know Jesus, and the sin that's in your heart has created an expanse between you and God, and it is not that his ear is too dull that he can't hear you or his arm is too short that he can't reach you, but your sins have separated you from God. That's what Isaiah says. And the gift of Jesus is that even while you were still in sin, even while you were an enemy of God, he loved you so much that he chose to do something about it. If you need to accept the gift of the Son of God, and his sacrifice, and be baptized and receive the forgiveness of your sins and the power of the Holy Spirit, we would love to help you make that happen. If you are a Christian, and you're struggling with how to handle the enemies in your life, and you're struggling with how to respond to the people around you who think 
differently and you maybe you have tried to take matters into your own hands and it, ha it hasn't gone how you hoped I invite you to turn to your enemies and give them what Jesus has given you love if there are sins that you need to confess if you need the prayers of the church I hope that you make that known as well you can respond to the gospel at any time, not just right now, but at any, any time in your week. Church, we need to be a people who puts them first. It needs to be said of us that above all else, we loved others. If you have any needs this morning, won't you make it known right now as we stand and as we sing?